Yeah, she'll teach you how to be artistically you. Not afraid to talk about what's taboo. So don't play small. Join the podcast with Nikki Collins. Autism Unmasked. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Autism Unmasked. My name's Nikki Collins. I'm the autism coach and author of Through Autistic Eyes. You can find out more about my coaching and my book on my website, theautismcoach.co.uk. Today, I'm joined by Carol Jean Whittington from all the way over in America. And Carol Jean has just completed her very first book on burnout. And it's called How Spicy Is Your ND Burnout? And it goes through five levels of burnout. And it's really easy to to go through and look at. And she's going to tell us all about it in a little while. But it's out on the 4th of November. She's super excited. So am I. It's a resource that is going to change the world as we know it. Not only is Carol Jean a upcoming hugely, hugely successful author, but she is also the host of Mind Your Autistic Brain Talk Show. And she is a coach and consultant that is basically looking for world domination in the neurodistinct sphere. And she's acing it. She's worked with companies like Google. I'm not sure if you've heard of them, but you have now. And this is Carol Jean Whittington. So welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you for coming along and being a guest and for sharing about this amazing work that you are doing, Carol Jean. Oh my gosh, Nikki. I am thrilled to death to be here. I always love having a conversation with you. Likewise, likewise. So how how has your book kind of how did it manifest itself and materialize into this world oh my gosh <laughs> i think i think we, you know we talked we just talked about your book earlier today and i think it's just it really is a journey it really is this culmination of of our entire life's events and experiences and it usually comes from a place of of, of struggle and and finding our way through that and reaching a place where like, oh, I've got some answers and I want to share them. I found a solution and I want to make sure nobody else has to struggle in the same way I did. I mean, I know for me, that was, that was sort of the catalyst. It was, holy heck, I spent from the age of six, you know, that was my earliest burnout. And, and it took a little while to like really start to unpack and learn and, and identify what each one of my burnouts looked like. But the very earliest one was began around age six. And for 40 years, I was on what I call the chronic cycle burnout loop. And I would just get out of burnout just enough to feel a little bit better, not realizing I was in burnout <laughs> for so very long. And then I would, I would feel a little bit better. So I would go back to quote unquote life as usual and go back to what I was doing before that led me to burnout in the first place. And then I would get burnout and, and tired and, and exhausted all over again. And I thought that was normal because it had become my norm. I thought I just wasn't smart enough to figure out how to people, <laughs> how to exist, how to do, you know, be a person in the world and adult or just, you know, be 
a successful person in some way, just to like, how is it that other people get up, get dressed, go to school, go to work, come home and don't go to sleep for two or three hours. Like they've just been drugged. How is that? How do other people do that? Mm. And I, I didn't know. I thought there was something wrong with me and there was, and it was a lot of things, but it wasn't me that was wrong. And just knowing that in late identified life, I was almost 40 when I learned, you know, Hey, you were missed. This darling little neuropsychologist says to me, and I was like, no, I wasn't. Nobody missed me. I'm right here. And he looks at me and kind of smiles and nods his head saying, you need to come back and see me. It's not just your son. <laughs> you know, it's not just, I think we need to have a conversation. And I went, oh, and then the penny dropped and I went, oh, he's saying I was missed and I'm autistic. <gasps> oh, wow. I knew I was ADHD and it never quite answered all the things, but like, Oh, when I was going through the questionnaire for my son, oh, those questions, that's normal. Everybody does that, right? Everybody thinks that way. Everybody has that experience. So, wow, I never thought in that process, that was me. And then you get to this place of like, oh, there's this thing called autistic burnout. And really, I call, I, I say ND burnout because it's not just autistics. It's, it's in our neurotype, in our neurodistinct neurotype, you know, be it autistic, ADHD, dyslexic, dyspraxic, Tourette's, all of these bipolar, everything in here, there is a commonality in the way that we experience burnout. And it's different from a neuro majority experience of burnout. Um, one of the biggest things is the components of alexithymia and trauma. Um, and, and also being able to recognize, you know, our needs. So one of the things that, that I've created is, is a needs reflection that talks about the top 30 needs in five different areas, because it's hard to know. You're like, I know I don't have this particular need. Something's not getting met, but I, I can't quite identify it. So this really helps because it helps you identify, okay, these needs are being met. Then by doing that, the inverse is, well, these are the unmet needs. And then I have a sensory profile that I created that's from, from our neurotype perspective. It's not a deficit model because our sensory experience is not a deficit. It just is what it is. And it's part of our neurotype. It's part of how our body and our brain experience the world. And so it helps you identify those things because there are components of burnout because your sensory profile is different than burnout. And I would not have been able to, to identify and uncover and, and take all of these things that I've learned all by myself. Cause there was nothing available, you know, nine years ago when I was identified, it was like, well, here it is. You surprise, you were missed, you know, nobody knew this and, and, and this is you, but you made it this far and, you know, here's your report. Cause you also have auditory processing delay and there's a couple other, you know, you're also dyslexic. Holy heck, really? That makes so much sense now. <laughs> How is it that a 40 year old woman is finally getting identified when, I mean, I remember my grandmother, we were sitting in her sewing room and she was helping me because B's and D's were really hard for me and lots of other letters. And I remember her, she was an artist and she had painted dancing B's and dancing D's. And she had made these flashcards for me trying to help me read and nobody caught it. And I went to a very expensive private school and you would think 
you know, as my mother said, you know, I figured it out. I paid him <laughs> enough money too. But you know, all of these things, but this made for me burnout restoration possible. And I'm in year three and a half of living burnout, shut down and meltdown free for the first time in 40 years. And one of the, the, the big markers that's talked about in some of the research, and, and I hope to be changing this, you know, I really do. This is some of the work that I'm doing in the world. And the belief is, and I believed this because it was true for me for a very long time, that if you are in burnout long enough and you stay consistently in burnout and you never have a period of restoration, that the skills and abilities that you have can be permanently lost. Or if they come back, they don't ever return to the degree that you held before the burnout. I don't know about anybody else, but that honestly terrified me. It terrified me because I thought I've worked so stinking hard for every little bit of executive function, skills, and abilities that I possess. I sure as heck don't want to lose them. But one of the big ones was creative writing. And in about my early 20s, mid-20s, all of a sudden I had had a burnout and I stopped writing and I used to write poetry and short stories and I loved creative writing. It was a really huge part of my life and it was just gone and it, it was gone for about 20 years. And after I had been in burnout restoration for two years, I didn't notice it right away, which is kind of wild, Nikki. I was, you know, it's just those things that sometimes slowly creep back in. And then all of a sudden you take notice because they've been there enough that you're like, whoa, I noticed I had started writing some like short blog articles and I went, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this again. I'm doing this again. Wow. So for the, for me to be able to sit down and, and write a book and have a book, even though this is a short book, guys, this is written for folks in burnout. So we know that we don't have a whole lot of bandwidth for taking in stuff, but we need help. So this is written to help you do that in that way. It's short, it's sweet, it's to the point, it's direct, and it is step-by-step. Step. <laughs> Perfect. And I know that you've got it in different formats as well. So for the different styles of learners, you've also got that covered. Oh, definitely. You know, when you're in burnout, your processing is different. You know, your executive function levels are different and, and they fluctuate throughout the day. You know, your sensory profile is different. One of the biggest challenges that I have had that I have as part of my burnout warning signs and the signposts, you know, as part of some of the things that happen when I experience burnout in the past was I would lose the ability to read. My eye teaming and tracking would get off. And it would be really, really difficult, um, even concentrating and listening with, I didn't know I had an auditory processing delay, but late in the day, trying to listen to anything. So the book is in several different formats to meet you where you are in autistic burnout. So there is a written digital version there. There is also, I, I purchased to make sure, and I, I made the donation to have open dyslexic font. So one version will also be in open dyslexic font. Um, there will also be a video with closed captions because lots of us do need to read lips, but we also need to be able to see the text because maybe that's just how you take in a chapter of the book, or maybe that's how you take in the whole book. That's what works for you. Mm. Um, there's also going to be an audio version. So if you don't, you can't have the distraction of visual, then, then there's just the straight auditory. And then there's also a, a print version and you can print that in, in any way that you'd like um, to make that easy for you. Cause you know, sometimes I got to have some tactile stuff. I'm a tack, I'm a paper girl. Oh my gosh. Paper hoarder over here. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> and it's short. So it wouldn't cost you a ton if you wanted to print it. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, I, I, I'm having to get mine printed because mine's not a short read. <laughs> it comes in about 165 pages, the final word count. So you was you realised that your first burnout was when you were six years old. How on earth did you manage to trace back and work that out? It took it took a lot of digging. It took a lot of work, honestly, um, because one of the things that I noticed that happened for me and, and part of what the unveiling method does is it it helps take you through the five steps of uncovering these layers. It looks at your burnout, your current burnout. It helps you start to identify in the now because it's easier in the moment, like fresh information is easier to manage sometimes. Um, to start with. And in that first step is what are your warning signs? What are the things that are coming up for you? What are you experiencing? What's the pain point? Like what's the burn ouch? <laughs> like what's on fire? What's smoldering? You know, what's maybe just a little spark? What are these? Um, and I've got the top 20 warning signs, but then in the book, there are, are deeper elements that go in a little bit further into some of these and, and describing how to help you identify those warning signs. And, you know, in, in our beautiful pattern recognition, data collecting selves, and this is my brain and how it works. I'm also a visual thinker. I see the 10,000 foot view. And then I see all the details at the same time. And it's like in a two second thing, I'm like, oh yeah, I got this. So, so I broke it down in these five layers, but it's, it's noticing what, what does this look like for you now? Okay. What are some of the, the things that led to this current burnout? You know, what can you and I start to take you through the process of what can you identify that were sort of those signposts that came up for you? What were those warning signs? And then we look at, well, what are your signposts? What are the external things that happen? Cause that interception we talked about, you know, could be kind of a challenge, especially if you're lexithymic. So it's, what are the, what are the signposts? What are the yield signs, the stop signs, the flashing neon signs that are showing up in your daily life, in your environment, in your world, in your engagement? For me, one of my, my signposts that, hey, you need to kind of check on yourself. There's some unmet needs because burnout is a result of consistent unmet needs. And that includes sensory profile needs. And one of mine is my bed. My bed. I'm one of those people I like to make up my bed every morning. My husband will laugh and he will say, Carol Jean, if I'm not out of here fast enough, you will make me up in this bed. <laughs> and I will. And I'm like, when you get out, you best make sure you make your side. Um, but if my bed is not made at least three or four days a week, and I notice if I like right now it's tidy, it's got my dirty laundry, I mean, my clean laundry on top of it, I need to fold. Yeah, that's another thing, but you know, <laughs> it's laundry day. This is the process. It has made it from the laundry room to my bed now, and it'll make it to the drawer today. Today, today. Good luck. <laughs> I believe in you. <laughs> I don't, well, I put it on my side of the bed, so I can't even get into bed and go to sleep till it's put up. So trigger points, right? Like, hmm, <laughs> okay, here we go. So, but when, when I noticed that, that my bed hasn't been made and it's been messy more than, you know, two maybe three times in the week. I know, Ooh, you need to pay attention. Some, uh, you got an unmet need somehow because you're not doing something that, that you normally do that matters to you. Right. And that's the thing we operate from our values. That's one of the things that, that I teach in the unveiling of it is, is helping you identify your values because in masking and camouflaging and, and folks, camouflaging is like I masked to the professional level. 
That was me. I mastered the professional level. I was camouflage. You could just call me chameleon. And in that, you know, we also have camouflaged our values. We've onboarded what we should. <laughs> We're shitting ourselves all over the place, Nikki, <laughs> in these conversations. But, you know, what we should, like, I should value family. And that was on my list for the longest time. And, and I don't get me wrong. I value my family, but I value my health more because I can't show up for my family if I'm not healthy. And, you know, that's part of the process of when we're identifying our needs, when we're identifying our sensory profile, when we're starting to look at how do you, how did in the world that you identify a burnout at age six, how did you know that's what it was? Well, number one, it was the first time I had completely broken down and at age six was sitting on my bed after dinner one night. And I know it was the end of the week because I had on my school blazer and on Fridays we wore our school blazer and it was my favorite day because that blazer always made me feel really safe and secure. And, and in my sort of hero's journey of the story that I tell, that blazer was always made me feel stronger and protected. It was sort of like my suit of armor. And in a lot of ways it was because it was protecting me against the battle that I went into every day at school and in life at six years old. Mm. And I was sitting on the bed and I just remember, I remember this moment so clearly. I was crying. I mean, sobbing, just inconsolable. I just remember feeling the most intense exhaustion. And I didn't have the vocabulary and the in the and the awareness to be able to describe what I was feeling specifically. And my mom came in and she was like, honey, what's wrong? You know, moms, we're, we're going to hold our babies. And, and why are you, why are you crying? Let me help fix this. And I sobbed. And the only thing I knew to say, and I had actually, I don't know that I had thought it through all the way, but at that point, I just wanted an escape route. And I said, I want to die. And that was the beginning of the burnouts chronic burnout cycle for me. And it was decades of suicidal ideation because not that I really wanted to, but that I was so exhausted and everything felt so much and so big that I just needed a safety net. I just needed somewhere to not exist so I could regain this, what I felt like was, was constant outpouring of energy and myself mm. and just working through those five steps, because I would go back and say, okay, now that I know kind of what my warning signs are now, what were some of the common threads looking back at my life where these things came up again? Where did I see these in the past? And as you start to do that, you start to see a pattern. You know, each burnout's a little bit different because you're in a different season of your life. There's different stressors. There's different things that happen in your environment, different relationships. But you will start to see that there's a common thread. And as you start to follow that thread and you start to identify more and more of what was leading to the burnout, what you were experiencing, and even the things that were helping you, how did you kind of move out of it a little bit? What made you start feeling better? You know, what changes were those? Because it's not just about your warning signs and your signposts. It's also about your restoration signpost. Because burnout restoration is not a linear journey. You will have a couple of days where it is fantastic. You're feeling good. Everything is going well. You got energy. And then something's going to happen. Something's going to change in your world and your environment. 
And you're going to go, oh my gosh, I feel like I just took 10 steps back. But when you have those restoration signposts, it's like, no, really, I didn't. I might've taken one or two back because I have this, this change here, but I also have this framework that helps me adjust for that. So now I just, I move forward. Yeah, that all makes so much sense. And I know that I'm, I've, I've said this a lot in the, in the previous episodes, but I moved earlier this year and it was, it, it was something that I'd wanted and been working towards for what felt like forever. And then when I got there and I did that move and got myself into the position that I wanted to be, I just hit this wall and it was, it just felt like I was going backwards. And I'm thinking, why are you going backwards when you've got what you want? Why are you so stressed? And obviously you've got all the routine changes, all the things that are just there and, and you kind of take for granted as just being a part of your routine. It all changes in the in the blink of an eye and it's, it's really hard so to have those those points and being able to, to to know how to not monitor because I I don't really like the use of monitor because that could be seen as quite a negative but I can't think of another word awareness yes when you've got this awareness that you like with the bed they're, they're good goalposts. They're good things to be able to measure your progress or your, and that goes for going forwards and for going backwards. So what would you have liked to have had? And you may have thought about this. You may not. I might be putting you completely on the spot here. But if your six-year-old self, if you were able to talk to that version, what would you have said to her? What advice and what would you have done for her back then? Because I mean, I, I know what it's like to have a child who has a vocabulary like you described. And as a parent, it's absolutely heartbreaking. And I know that I'm not the only parent. And I know that you weren't the only child. My son wasn't the only child who had these thoughts. So what advice would you have given yourself? What would you have done? So I, I'm not only the child, but I'm also the parent of that same child. Mm. So, Yeah. And I said to my son, what I would have gone back and said to my younger self is precious. You don't have to be perfect. And there is no such thing. And you are worthy just as you are. And the expectations that you're internalizing that you're, you think you're supposed to meet in the world in order to feel safe. They're not, they're not real. Yeah. Let's, let's look at these things. Let's look at these things and let's really look at what's making the world the place that it is because it's not just external it's it's internal what's what's the story you're telling yourself about what's going on right now and let's really look at that and let's make sure that the belief that you're the thought that you're agreeing to that's become a belief about how you're who you're supposed to be in the world let, let's redefine that because that's that's causing you to suffer and you don't need to because you're worthy just as you are. You're lovable just as you are. And you're already everything you need to be. Well, that's really powerful. Did that, how, did that help him to shift his perspective? It did. Good. It made all the difference in the world. Mm. Because I had and he had 
onboarded this expectation and interpreted, misinterpreted, because our literal thinking that if this is what someone said, that's how it's supposed to be. And it's supposed to be exactly that way with no deviation. And it's supposed to meet that standard or it's not right. Yeah. And if it's not right, then I'm not right. And I'm not okay. And it's not safe if it's not done because we, I, I know my brain and I know many of my clients' brains, we have something that we have to have. And it's, it's not an open loop. If you have an open loop, your brain will keep circling back to it to close it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hence why we get stuck in this chronic burnout loop until we actually do something different and close it down so that we can break that cycle. And the largest energy drainer in your life is the amount of energy that consumes you through thought and what types of thought, you know, in the self-care plan from the inside out, which is part of the unveiling method, because we have, it's, it's firm as the acronym. There's foundations, integration, restoration, and management maintenance, because everything's always changing. You got, you got to have some, a plan and a framework to help you navigate when things change. But in integration, that's the self-care plan from the inside out. And part of that is the energy appraisal and the thought thermostat. Because it's those two big areas along with boundaries. We have boundary alignment as part of that. Um, you know, those elements really make a difference because, you know, our brains do two things. Our brain, number one, seeks to keep us safe in all things. And it does not distinguish necessarily if it's a good or bad thing that we do something because the second thing it does is it automates to save energy. So the brain says, oh, you've done this three, four, five times. That means it's safe. So we're going to automate it. So we're not expending extra energy. You know, so, so recognizing and putting intentional thought into identifying, well, what has actually become automated in my life, including my thoughts? What automated thoughts do I have in my life? And what, you know, spoon theory is great. It's wonderful. Energy accounting is great. But if you're only accounting for the energy that's going out, and you are not doing something that's bringing energy in. Mm-hmm. And the way that we have energy come in is where we meet those unmet needs and those sensory profile needs. That's where we bring it in. That's where we start harnessing because I don't look at balance kind of like you were talking about, you know, you don't want to like look at things because then that's stress. That's a lot of work. If I used to think balance was it and it's not. Balance requires a lot of thought energy. It requires a lot of accounting of like, if I do this, then I can't do this you know, a lot of trading and our brain has something called a bias against subtraction. It's called a subtraction bias. We will look at how do we add or make something work in our calendar versus, well, what can I just eliminate or subtract altogether? That is the last thing we think about. So if you're not being aware of what, how you're looking at things, and if you're constantly looking for a balance, you're expending a lot of energy when you're looking at harmony, how does everything work together? then there's not a lot of thought energy being expended in the same way. Yeah, and I know that for me, balance was something that I tried to aim for for such a long time. And because of a few comments when I was younger, I always had this belief, which is a false belief, that I was incredibly unbalanced. But actually, some days my energy is high, other days my energy is low. And it is about giving yourself the freedom and flexibility to go with how your energy levels are on any given day. And that 
is a real game changer. Being able to give yourself that that freedom of saying, do you know what? Today is going to be a duvet day because I need that. And building that time into the diary too. <laughs> oh, yeah. that That's a big one. You know, I think you touched on something that's really important and it goes back to the belief that somehow we're supposed to have consistent energy every day. It's supposed to look the same. It's impossible. That is impossible. I think we just probably blew some minds. I hope so. I hope so too. <laughs> there was something else that I was going to ask, but it's completely gone. Um, how long was it between your diagnosis and you becoming burnout and shut down free? I didn't even embrace and dive into my identification for two years because I thought, oh my gosh, if I was missed and this is all of the struggle and the hell that I have lived through, I'm going to make sure my child doesn't have that same experience. So I threw myself into all of it. I mean, whatever we explored, integrated listening system, occupational therapy, I was driving an hour and a half and two hours to get, you know, certain therapy treatments so that he had vision therapy and we would go way the heck out of town. And, you know, we would go across the bay because they had this really fantastic occupational therapy program. And, you know, we did all of this kind of stuff. And at that two year mark is probably when I hit the worst burnout of my life. Right. And it was at that point that I began my journey and doing it alone and without resources, having to really white knuckle it and, and do it in burnout for myself. It took me about four years to get to that first, that first level of restoration. And from that point forward, it was almost like compound interest really, really was. Um, that's how I would describe it. it was like, once I got what it took to get me in this harmony state and then to be able to take that forward and backward movement, you know, of, Oh, I'm doing really well. And then something changes and it's like, Oh, crud. Okay. Let's reevaluate. Let's reassess. I'm not, I'm not broken. I didn't screw up. I'm not wrong or bad. This is just part of the process, you know? <laughs> and, and then, you know, you, you move forward and you take the next step because that took me from that point, once I hit that first level of after those four years, it, it, it took this to now, you know, it really did. Um, the last year, two years has been those exponential compounding interest, what I call those quantum leap growth points that you can hit because you finally got the freaking energy to do it. I mean, I honestly, I mean, my partner is, is 26 years younger than me. And I, I honestly look at it in so many ways, like just from our life standpoint, it's like, I'm honestly about in the same place that, that he is in his early twenties. And that is, I'm just starting to live my life finally, really, and truly, because I've just been surviving and struggling up until that point. So you know, it's, it's almost like we're, we're experiencing the world together in this way, because I'm just now really starting to live as me. Yeah. And I'm not that camouflage. I'm not that chronically exhausted human that was just struggling all the time. 
and not to mention the masks that you've taken off during that that period of transformation as well because in order to be burnt out and shut down free you cannot hide behind those same infrastructures that you built up to protect yourself in a big wide world they have to come crumbling down and that's painful that's a painful experience it is and it's super uncomfortable oh my gosh so I will just say, I will just throw this out there because this is just, this is my experience. This has been the experience that I have also heard from my clients as they have relayed it to me in this process of burnout restoration. And it is get comfortable being massively uncomfortable in a lot of ways in the early stages, because you can't get comfortable and you can't get to a place of, of consistent comfort without getting uncomfortable first, because anything that we do that is new is uncomfortable mm. because we don't know what it's going to be like. We don't know what it feels like. We, we're anticipating and, and, and we are ruminating about what happened in the past. We are projecting and, pre- and predicting, you know, our predictive thinking, trying to figure out what's going to happen next. Well, you know what, folks, we can't. And even when we ruminate and think about things in the past, you're still remembering them with a lens and a filter that is inaccurate. It's not serving you <laughs> in a lot of ways. Exactly. And these are all the things that uh, that you go into in your book as well and how people can basically follow in your more positive footsteps and learn from the lessons that you've learned in a much faster way because this information wasn't available when when you needed it. So because of that, you've made this resource available And it's going to help so many people. I'm already recommending it and it's not published yet. (laughs) But the the book is How Spicy Is Your ND Burnout? And that's going to be on your website, mindyourautisticbrain.com. And you are across all platforms as Mind Your Autistic Brain. And I believe you're on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn. I will pop these into the show notes and into the transcript. But um, is there is there anywhere else that people can contact you? And where can they buy the book? Ah, they can go to the website and there is a link there that talks about the unveiling method and burnout. You can click on it right now and actually get on the wait list. And that's going to provide you with some discounts um, because there is also a burnout restoration toolkit that will help as part of the rapid implementation of this. And then there's also resources that I'll be sending out um, after the book publishes that you'll get exclusively uh, being part of that how spicy is your indie burnout list and come find out which level of spicy you're in. How spicy is your burnout? Are you a poblano pepper level one? Are you a jalapeno pepper level two? Are you a cayenne pepper level three? Are you a habanero pepper level four? Are you my friend in level five and a ghost pepper? Come find out. I love it. I love it. And seriously, people go over, just go and click the link. It's there for you. Just have a look under this episode. It's it's there. There's no excuse. And it's a short read. It's accessible. So I'm going to get a copy and I'm going to go over once we finish recording to make sure that I'm on that list because I know that I can learn from that. And everybody else can, unless you are, of course, burnout and shutdown and meltdown free. Uh, If you're not, and you're autistic or neurodistic, different, get on over there. <laughs> but thank you, Carol Jean, for your time today. It has been really interesting to hear you talk and to hear some about some of your journey. So thank you for sharing. And I really do wish you the 
best of luck with this because it is a fantastic project and I hope that it gets the traction that it deserves and needs. Thank you so much, Nikki. I appreciate it. And for our listeners, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never have to miss an episode again.